Hello, Bridget. Hi, Terry. We said last week that we would be making a big announcement, and today is the day. After learning of this podcast and knowing the power of shared stories of struggle, resilience, and hope, Mental Health America of Wisconsin is partnering with Giving Voice to Depression, ensuring that our weekly podcasts and daily social media outreach efforts can continue for at least another full year. Yay. Well, still and always grateful for the grants we've received to date. This is the first time we've had the luxury of focusing solely on our mission without having to also worry about how to meet expenses and continue the work we are so blessed to be able to do. It is with deep gratitude and a large measure of relief that we'll continue to collect, produce, and post intimate, reassuring, and educational conversations with the wonderful people who step up to share their lived experiences. It is peer support in the comfort and privacy of your own headphones. This week's guest is a listener of the podcast, and he wrote to us a few weeks ago from the link on our website to say how deeply our guests' stories resonate with him and how their experiences with depression closely mirror the threads of his own tapestry. John says he's been inspired by those stories to tell his own, to set aside what he names as the shame, embarrassment, guilt, and a host of other feelings that he probably hasn't identified yet. His story starts in adolescence, as so many of ours do. My first bout of depression hit when I was a teenager. I grew up in a prominent a religious family, or at least prominent within our church. And um, there was always an expectation that the right image be set to the outside world. And so, you know, typical teenage stuff hit and uh, trying to set that same image felt a bit restricting and like I couldn't be myself to the outside world and felt isolating. Mm-hmm. And um, I think I was able to pull off a brave face during the day, but at night when I would retreat to my room, I would just basically be screaming into my pillow, um, feeling completely alone and felt like I didn't have anywhere to turn. And it was just a really, really dark time. It sounds absolutely awful. How were you able to get from that stage to somewhere you could get help or you could be yourself a bit more in public. Um, Did you? <laughs> y- yes, um, but uh, I, I didn't really or really take any active steps to, to get treatment until this last year. And I'm age 46, so it's been quite a long um, period where depression's sort of been in my background. Um, with varying levels of intensity. Wow. So so you're a teenager screaming in your pillow, feeling isolated and alone, and now you just recently got help for the first time. What what what'd you do in all those years in between? <laughs> I drank a lot. <laughs> I guess with like a lot of people with a mental illness, I turned to self-medication and my drug of choice was alcohol. I don't want to paint it like, you know, every moment was miserable. Oh, no, no. But, yeah, the times that were bad was only made worse by trying to drink it away. Mm -hmm. 
what stopped you from going to a doctor or a therapist or telling someone during all those years? Hmm. Well, I, that's a really hard, hard thing to answer, but let me try. Um, Part of it was feeling like asking for help was admitting failure, like that I wasn't strong enough on my own to conquer something that was happening in my own head. The idea of getting, quote, professional help, I didn't know what that looked like in a way that would be viewed as acceptable. Hmm. Um, That all sounds a lot like stigma. uh, Yes, yes, absolutely. How has getting help helped? (laughs) Well, um, let me clarify one thing. Mm -hmm. I, I actually did go on antidepressants about eight years ago. And I have since gotten off of those um, because I was just on it for too long. So I did, I did get help um, with medication alone. And that certainly got me over a a hump, but I was still self-medicating and I didn't take any further steps to sort of work on myself to to really delve more into what depression was, being more open about it, and really trying to do more to figure it out has only come in the last year. Yeah, the meds are a tricky one because I've been on them for a while now too and then gone off and then gone on and then gone off and then gone on. But, I, you know, I have that same sense. I'm like, man, I've been on these a long time and I go off, but then things tend to go awry and I go back on. So I don't know if it's the sort of thing we're just supposed to be on forever or if everybody goes off and then realizes things, well, hopefully some people, they, they level out and it's fine. And I'm sure that's true. But I know an awful lot of people who have to go back on. So they're a tricky thing. Yeah. And I'm certainly open to the idea of going back on. That's certainly something that I feel like I'm more psychologically prepared to do more, much more quickly now than maybe I have been in the past. I'm wondering if you're willing to tell me what your, not tell me, tell all of us, what your depression is like, what it feels like, what it sounds like. Some of us get really cranky. Some of us get really sad. Some of us withdraw. Some of us are in your face. I just wonder what yours is like. Um, it, it, it feels like a, a, an attack mm. in my own voice. There is no way that people without it understand that. I think people that don't have depression maybe can't relate, but maybe they can view it in this light. That might make a little more sense. Um, We've all been to a party or met somebody and they just have an over-the-top negative personality. And five minutes into the conversation, your mood is starting to be affected. You're looking at your watch. You're trying to figure out some excuse to get the hell out of here (laughs) and then picture that person living in your head has a constant monologue of negative messaging, never shuts up, never lets you get a word in edgewise, never pauses to give you a chance to interrupt the conversation, to interject positivity. And it does so in the most diabolical way. It, 
learns to speak in your own voice, learns to speak in first person with its sole goal to eradicate your self-worth and eliminate all traces of hope so that it has the opportunity to grow. I have it, and it breaks my heart to hear it described that way. And it's so accurate, and it makes me so sad to remember how how convincing, diabolical is such the correct word, how convincing it is because, you know, it's got that backstage pass. <laughs> and so when it comes at us, again, in our own damn voice, saying, yeah, those things you fear about yourself, they're true in spades. You know, there's there's mm-hmm. kind of no way to ignore it, especially how incessant it is and how weak we are by the time it starts in. I totally agree. I'm a business guy, so sometimes I see it in terms of a spreadsheet of self-worth with two columns where one is your positive attributes and one is your negative attributes. And the positive attribute column has an auto-delete function. Mm. And the negative attribute column has an auto-suggest function. One keeps building and the other one keeps getting erased. Oh, that's why I wanted to talk to you, because somebody will respond to a description from one person and someone else will relate to one from another. So I'm always really grateful when someone describes the experience in a way that I know is is visceral, you know, that somebody will really get. Oh, I hate it. I I just hate (laughs) depression. You know, one one of the reasons why I reached out to you and I didn't reach out to, to anybody else, um, even though there, there have been a few other influences as well in this journey, is that, um, you know, I've done a lot of reading about depression, but there's something about hearing another person's story and just hearing them speak out loud that for me was just like such a breath of fresh air because... I kept relating to each of your guests in a deeply personal way Um, Mm -hmm. every time, regardless of, you know, differences in background or whatever. There's definitely a common thread in the stories that I can relate to every one of them. And so it's just so refreshing to feel like truly I'm not alone. Having intimate conversations in general is sort of rare. And then being able to have it about something so not spoken about as what's going on in our own heads. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's what, you know, because it's the same as if we were talking about what chicken pox, you know, and you say, oh, mine was really itchy. And I go, mine was too. You know, when we start thinking of it as an illness, of course, it doesn't matter who's talking. You know, we have the same thing. And while it manifests differently in everybody, there's also got to be all that commonality. So I'm really grateful that you have lent your voice to this uh, pool of people who are willing to do that so that other people at home listening or wherever they are listening know that they're not alone and know that they're not freaks. Oh, happy to do it. Is there anything you can say to somebody listening that will let them know and maybe believe since it's coming from someone who's been there that that dark place doesn't last forever and that the bottom isn't the end? Yeah, so for anyone going through depression who feels like there is no end. (laughs) I'm sorry, my friend, that you're going through that. I really am. That is rough. But this, this time, no matter how long it is, will end. 
there is light at the end of the tunnel. You can do it. You are strong. Did that really choke you up? <laughs> it did. Yeah, I've got tears and I'm sniffling a little bit. Oh, John, that is the best description of depression that I've ever heard. Depression is an attack in your own voice. When he said, then picture that person living in your head. It's like, oh, and I loved this spreadsheet of self-worth. I hate like, the spreadsheet of self-worth. I hate the spreadsheet of self-worth, too. I like the metaphor because it helps you understand it. But yes, I also hate it. And that the goal is to eradicate your self-worth and hope. And it, what a, wow. That's what it is. It's such an insidious. Uh, I agree. And I really want to personally thank John for trusting us with his first public conversation about his depression. Mm-hmm. That was uh, a hell of a debut. John has started his own YouTube channel called Cleaning Warrior um, about working together to clean up this messy life, including (laughs) our mental health. And we'll, of course, link to that. Excellent. And once again, we want to thank Mental Health America Wisconsin for partnering with us so that we can keep bringing you these stories for at least another year. It is something we have worked toward for the past two and a half, and it is a great relief and greatly appreciated and so important to continue this mission. It really is. And it allows us to just sort of exhale and, you know, settle in even deeper roots to our commitment and our mission. Um, And we can eat. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, food. Yes, yes. So thank you. And thanks for your patience, Bridget, waiting for funding. I love you, Terry. I love you too, hon. We truly hope that our podcast brings a little more understanding, helps you better articulate your experience of depression, or better understand how to support someone else's. We invite you to join us for daily posts on the Giving Voice to Depression Facebook page and on Twitter and Instagram at Voice Depression. It is a comfort to be among fellow travelers on depression's dark road. And remember, if you're struggling, speak up. If someone else is, listen up.